0: Hopelessness is what one has when hope is gone. It's faith that creates and sustains the reality of hope. Hebrews eleven one defines the relationship between faith and hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The ultimate hope for God's children is known as the blessed hope, which is eternal, glorious life in Christ Jesus in a new heaven and a new earth, where a new Jerusalem, 1,500 miles cubicle, descends from heaven adorned in its marvelous splendor with its twelve foundations and its twelve pearly gates. It is faith that gives substance to this blessed hope. By faith I can touch the gates of pearl. Hope is not wishing, but looking forward to a future event that will certainly come to pass. In its first definition in Noah Webster's 1828 American Dictionary of the English Language, you'll find this concerning hope. Hope differs from wish and desire in this, that it implies some expectation of obtaining a good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Hope, therefore, always gives pleasure and joy. In his second definition of hope, Webster writes, Confidence in a future event. End of quote. Faith is not wishing either, but it's confidence in the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. This faith was made alive unto us at a place called born again, where we were quickened by the Holy Ghost and then entered into the ultimate truth, which was abundantly supplied unto us by God's Holy Spirit. This truth stands supreme over all natural analysis. To the born-again, faith is not differentiated from fact, for they are one and the same. Godlessness destroys the blessed hope that is found in faith, and when that happens, hopelessness sets in. A short list of the results of hopelessness includes depression, anxiety disorders, mental illness, alcoholism, drug addiction, bondages of all forms, suicide, and the terror of death. Intermittent hopes are positioned along the Christless way, but they all run into the dreaded brick wall called death, but it doesn't have to be that way. Have you yet to become born again? If you follow me in a simple prompt, today you can supernaturally replace your doubts, fears, and hopelessness with Holy Ghost assurance, faith, and a blessed hope that swallows the fear of death itself in one single gulp. Today all your sin and shame will be washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today all devil bondages in your life will be broken, and the word is all. Today you begin your new glorious journey. Here comes the prompt. Do it now. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said Psalms 138, 1 and 2. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name god said psalms 33 verse 6 by the word of the lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth god said daniel chapter 9 verse 18 o lord to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings to our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against thee. Man said, Who needs God when you have a smartphone? Get with it, Bible thumpers. Now the record. This is part two in the series of Words in Doomsday and just how simple the whole thing works. In the first feature, it was demonstrated that everything is made of words, God's words, and in order for Satan to reach his desired goal to be like God, he must dominate the dialogue, and when necessary, dominate by force. Isaiah fourteen twelve through 15 How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Salvation is words, and damnation is of the same. We choose. Your biology is made of words. Every cell in your body operates and communicates via words. Every word ever spoken is either pro-Christ or anti-Christ. If it is true— then it is pro-Christ. If it is false, it is anti-Christ. 2 plus 4 equals 4 is a pro-Christ statement, whereas 2 plus 2 equals 19 is an anti-Christ statement. Truly, Proverbs 18.21 is supremely accurate. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you haven't visited the first feature, I recommend you do so before continuing here. Go ahead. We'll wait for you here. Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature 1045 that will again certify the supernatural inerrancy of God's Holy Bible. All of these faith-building features are archived here in text and streaming audio for your edification and as ammunition in the battle for the lost sons and daughters of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for coming. May God's face shine upon you in all you put your hand to. The replacement of God's commandments and precepts is Satan's devilish goal. He is fully aware that inherent within every directive of God is a blessing or a curse. Because God's word is true and righteous altogether, obeying yields a blessing, the fruit of doing the right thing. Because God's word is true and righteous altogether, disobeying yields a curse— the poison fruit of doing the wrong thing. Satan's M.O. is to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the father of lies, and he needs to change the words to achieve his goal. Satan's God-defying word-changing scheme was demonstrated in a news release published March 2021 in the AFA Journal. This release was originally published January 2, 2021, on WashingtonTimes.com. Headline, U.S. House adopts gender-neutral terms. On January 4, the U.S. House of Representatives adopted rules disallowing offensive words such as he and she, claiming an effort to honor all gender identities. In addition to striking gender-specific pronouns and terms such as seaman and chairman, the resolution specifies unacceptable familiar relationship terms. In Clause 8c3 of Rule 23, the following terms are rejected. Father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, nephew, niece, husband, wife, father-in-law, mother-in-law, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, stepfather, stepmother, stepson, stepdaughter, stepbrother, stepsister, half-brother, half-sister, grandson or granddaughter. Acceptable replacements are parent, child, sibling, parent's sibling, sibling's child, spouse, parent-in-law, child-in-law, sibling-in-law, step-parent, stepchild, step-sibling, half-sibling, or grandchild. Franklin Graham responded to the nonsensical rules, God created them male and female, Genesis 1.27. This is shaking a fist in the Creator's face, trying to deny His authority. End of quote. Why would Satan's politicians push such draconian changes that most will find abhorrent? The purpose in changing the words is to bring about acceptance— and the promotion and protection of destructive, lustful pursuits and outright perversions. The cancel culture is canceling God's designators of man and woman. The world's children are being entrapped in the LGBTQ, etc., etc. movement, from cartoons to kindergarten to government. There is only one way of escape and deliverance. Immerse yourself in Jesus Christ, the Word of God, every day. Going forward to the great taking up of the church and onward to Armageddon, the battle of words will intensify to the peak of destruction. Remember Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The following email came from Sister Corrie from the U.S. State of Michigan. Love Thursday's podcast. Took it a little further and thought you might find it interesting. The government feels that it is necessary to disallow offensive words. I researched how many times these offensive words occurred in the Bible and in how many verses they appear. The first number is occurrence, and the second is verse. Offensive word, father. Number of occurrences, 1,720. Number of verses, 1,512. Mother, 329. Number of verses, 299. Son, number of occurrences, 4135, number of verses, 3214, daughter, occurrences, 581, verses, 507, brother, occurrences, 411, verses, 362, sister, number of occurrences, 135, number of verses, 124, uncle, 256 times, number of verses, 207, aunt, nine and nine, nephew, four and four, husband, 175 occurrences, 152 verses, wife, 410 to 373, father-in-law, 26 to 25, mother-in-law, 15 to 13, son-in-law, 13 and 13, daughter-in-law, 17 and 16, sister-in-law, 2 and 1. If an offensive word doesn't appear in this list, it means that it didn't appear in the Bible. These offensive words occurred 8,233 times in 6,831 verses. Interesting. End of quote. In a follow-up email, Sister Corey from Michigan asked, "'But I wonder when, not if, we will see a Bible version which has these words removed.' The answer is that theologians have been busy about this for decades. The most obvious version is the NIV, as was highlighted in last week's feature. Everything was spoken into existence by God's words. And in order for Satan to be like the Most High, he needs to change the words, replacing them with their opposites. Unfortunately, as it is, his words are dead and deadly. He is the little G.O.D. of this world, 2 Corinthians four, 4 and it is clearly evident. The born-again are called pilgrims who are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We don't belong here, and it becomes more evident by the day. A large percentage of today's churches are carrying the devil's water. They turn a blind eye to moral problems of the day, remaining silent and in some cases condoning evolution, alcohol consumption, cohabitation, same-sex marriages, LGBTQ lifestyles, and so much more. Two popular doctrines in today's pulpits are the doctrines of unconditional love and the doctrine that states the God of the Bible is a God of tolerance. Neither of these doctrines are even close to true. God's love, demonstrated in grace and mercy, is fully conditional, One must first repent, believing upon the saving blood of Jesus Christ, confess him with the mouth, and follow him. When Christ forgave the woman taken in adultery, he said, Go and sin no more, John 8, verse 11. 1 John 2, verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's true that we are not saved by works, but without works we're not saved salvation is conditional. In regards to tolerance, God has none. He will forgive the repentant, but not tolerate their sin. God is truth, and the nature of truth is zero tolerance. The devil's attack is against the Word of God and only the Word of God. Satan is rewriting history, denying the truth, and destroying the souls of billions. His desire is to expunge the record of the God of the Bible and His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ the righteous. A few examples of Satan's revisions will suffice. Number 1. A major effort is afoot to change the dating of events. B.C., as in before Christ, dates any event that occurred before the birth of Christ. However, B.C., is now being replaced with BCE, which stands for Before the Common Era. AD, which stands for the Latin phrase Anno Domini, meaning the year of our Lord, marks events that occurred after the birth of Christ. AD is now being replaced with CE, meaning Common Era. Number two, Christopher Columbus, whose first name means Christ-bearer, testified that his inspiration for the voyage that resulted in the discovery of the Western Hemisphere was the biblical book of Isaiah. The following excerpts are from the God Said, Man Said feature, Is America a Christian Nation? Part 1. Was America's foundation truly laid upon Jesus Christ? Does our Constitution expect the public exclusion of Jesus Christ? In 1492, the Americas were discovered by a man named Christopher Columbus. His name, Christopher, means Christ-bearer, and he considered it his mandate from God to carry the message of Jesus Christ to the heathen world. The following statement from Columbus himself is from his book titled Book of Prophecies. At this time, I have seen and put in study to look into all the Scriptures, cosmography, histories, chronicles, and philosophy, and other arts, which our Lord opened to my understanding, I could sense his hand upon me, so that it became clear to me that it was feasible to navigate from here to the Indies. And he unlocked within me the determination to execute the idea. And I came to your Highnesses with this ardor. All those who heard about my enterprise rejected it with laughter, scoffing at me, neither the sciences which I mentioned above, nor the authoritative citations from them were of any avail. And only your highnesses remain faith and constancy. Who doubts that this illumination was from the Holy Spirit? I attest that he, the Spirit, with marvelous rays of light, consoled me through the holy and sacred scriptures, encouraging me to proceed, and continually, without ceasing for a moment, they inflame me with a sense of great urgency. And then again, Columbus writes, I have already said that for the execution of the enterprise of the Indies, neither reason, nor mathematics, nor world maps were profitable to me. Rather, the prophecy of Isaiah was completely fulfilled. End of quote. According to Columbus himself, the Americas were discovered in the name of Jesus. End of quote. Columbus must be discredited at all cost. Satan can't have it. Number three. The words of social interaction and of history are being changed. America was discovered, colonized, and built upon words, God's words. Once again, from His America, Christian Nation, Part 1. King James VI of Scotland, who was also King James I of England, and the King James of the King James Bible, was the founding monarch of the United States. During his reign, the first successful colonies in America were established. The king himself authorized and wrote the charter to settle the colony of Virginia. The charter was titled the Evangelistic Grant Charter. Part of the charter that was written in 1606 follows, To make habitation and to deduce a colony of sundry of our people into that part of America commonly called Virginia in propagating of Christian religion— to such people as yet live in darkness to bring a settled and quiet government, end of quote. Please note, most of the historic quotes in this feature are from David Limbaugh's 416-page book Persecution and from the Christian Defense Fund's small but powerful 77-page book One Nation Under God. Number four, were the Americas founded on the Word of God? In the last sixty years or so, the pilgrims and thanksgiving have been subjected to the heavy hand of academic revisionists. Let's let the pilgrims speak for themselves. Pilgrim pastor John Robinson wrote the following letter in 1620 to the Mayflower Pilgrims. Thus this holy army of saints is marshaled here on earth by these officers under the conduct of their glorious Emperor Christ. Thus it marches in this most heavenly order and gracious array against all enemies, both bodily and ghostly, peaceable in itself as Jerusalem, terrible to the enemy as an army with banners, triumphing over their tyranny with patience, their cruelty with meekness, and over death itself with dying. Thus through the blood of that spotless lamb and that word of their testimony— They are more than conquerors bruising the head of the serpent, yea, through the power of his word they have power to cast down Satan-like lightning, to tread upon serpents and scorpions, to cast down strongholds and everything that exalteth itself against God, end of quote. 5. The cancel culture mirroring Satan's mandate under another name strives to rid the historic word record of God's champions of the word. One of their targets is the first president of the United States of America, George Washington. George Washington was a devout Christian who centered his life around Jesus Christ, whose name is given in Revelation 19.13 as the Word of God. The revisionists claim Washington was a deist, a person who accepted that someone created the world, but rejects the idea that this someone interacts with humankind and not really a dedicated Christian. Brother George says otherwise in these excerpts from the God Said, Man Said feature, Satan's minions chip away. J.C. J. Feller, author of the book God Blessed America, crowned many writings of U.S. presidents. This one, George Washington, first president of the United States of America— to No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than those of the United States. It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Regularly and on awakening, Washington spent the time from five until six in the morning on his knees, before a chair on which lay an open Bible. He retired every evening at nine o'clock to the same study, to the same chair, to the same open Bible End of quote. Peter Marshall and David Manuel, in their history book, uh, their history book, "The Light and the Glory," weigh in with more on one of the most influential of America's founding fathers, George Washington. By chance, we stumbled across an old book out of print for uh, more than a half a century, which provided many of the answers. We found it on a rainy Tuesday in the stacks of the Yale Divinity School Library. It was written by a man named William Johnson, and it bore the title George Washington, the Christian. What we came upon inside ranked in excitement with the discovery of Columbus's uh, heaven-sent rebuke. When he was about 20, George Washington filled 24 pages of a little manuscript book with some of the most beautiful prayers we have ever read. All of them were written out in his own hand, and he titled the little book Daily Sacrifice. The first entry was subtitled Sunday Morning and contained these words. Let my heart, therefore, gracious God, be so affected with the glory and majesty of thine honor, that I may not do mine own work, but wait on thee, and discharge those weighty duties which thou requires of me and in the next entry, Sunday evening, are these words, O most glorious God, I acknowledge and confess my faults in the weak and imperfect performance of the duties of this day. I have called on thee for pardon and forgiveness of sins, but so coldly and carelessly that my prayers are become my sin and stand in need of pardon. I have heard thy holy word, but with such deadness of spirit that I have been an unprofitable and forgetful hearer, But, O God, who art rich in mercy and plenteous in redemption, mark not, I beseech thee, what I have done amiss. Remember that I am but dust, and remit my transgressions, negligences, and ignorances, and cover them all with the absolute obedience of thy dear Son, that those sacrifices of sin, praise, and thanksgiving which I have offered may be accepted by thee, in and for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ offered upon the cross for me. In Monday morning's entry, young Washington had written, "'Direct my thoughts, words, and work, wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb, and purge my heart by the Holy Spirit, daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Monday evening, thou gavest thy Son to die for me, and hast given me assurance of salvation.' upon my repentance, sincerely endeavoring to confirm my life to his holy precepts and examples. The man who wrote these words was no deist, but a devout Christian. End of quotes. The devil's word-purging process—remember, everything is made of words—has been making a constant attack against God's true words since Eden— In these last days leading up to Armageddon and the earth's doomsday, the relentless rewriting efforts of Satan's diabolical drive will reach a fevered pitch. The time of doomsday is before us. Number six. In the United States, as in much of the world, Jesus Christ has been driven out of the public education system. Number seven. Under the United States Progressive Party, Jesus Christ is being driven out of government and public discourse. Number eight. The U.S. Constitution's guarantee of freedom of speech is under assault. Censorship is in full form. Number nine, soon the Bible will be known as hate speech in America. When the truth of God's word is replaced with Satan's words, confusion of faces is the result. Our people will wander around in the wilderness asking such idiotic questions as, Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Am I a boy or a girl or something else? What sport can I participate in? What bathroom should I use? We are already here. Expect worse. We have come to the great divide. Soon God will separate the sheep from the goats. The world is choosing sides. We are confronted with irreconcilable differences that only Jesus Christ can solve, but He is being expunged from the world's lexicon. Everything is a matter of words because everything is a product of God's words, and that's how the whole thing works. It is so childlike simple. Satan is deep in the words. God said, Psalms 138 1 and 2, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word. Above all, thy name, God said. Psalms thirty-three six. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. God said. Daniel chapter nine eighteen. O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face to our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Man said, Who needs God when you have a smartphone? Get with it, Bible thumpers. Now you have the record.